That radio chick Cheryl Lee here with you. Welcome to the Still Rocking It podcast where we'll have news reviews and interviews with some of our favourite Australian musicians and artists. Today I share a chat I had recently with founding member of Wawani, Australia's 80s funk band guitarist Steve Williams, who along with Paul Gray formed Wawani in 1982. They had four top 20 hits including Stimulation which peaked at number two and is burned into the Aussie music landscape. Steve worked with James Freud Band, Mama's Darlings and Richard Clapton before relocating to Europe for a number of years and then returning to Australia in 2006. What's Wawani's Steve Williams been up to lately? Let's find out. You're with Cheryl Lee, that radio chick. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so pleased to introduce you to the Zoom room, Mr. Steve Williams, the super-duper guitarist from Wawani. Thanks for joining us, Steve. Hi, Cheryl. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Wawani's an iconic Australian band, so we'll just touch on them because we also want to get into talking about your fabulous new music as well. But as we often do, we've adopted you in Australia. I wasn't born in Australia, no. I was born in Wales in the UK. I grew up there. I moved to Australia when I was 13, yeah, to Adelaide. Yeah, and then I lived, you know, in Adelaide till I was probably about 19, I guess, yeah. And then where did you go? I went to Sydney. What what happened is a friend of mine and I, we hitchhiked to Sydney. Like we thought, we must have been like about 17 or 18. We hitchhiked to Sydney. And back then that was quite a viable means of transport. We hitched over there and like, we kind of loved it because we were in, we were both like musos and, and there was this tiny little book. I can't even remember what it was called. It was one of those little kind of tiny little booklet things. And, and I'm not kidding you, the amount of gigs, like just on any day of the week, there was just like dozens and dozens of bands, let alone on the weekend. You know what I mean? So we were like, oh, this is really cool. Yeah, while we were there, we saw some a, a, few, a few iconic acts, you know what I mean? And I guess that was kind of a bit of a thing, like... We headed back to Adelaide after about a month or so and then eventually moved over there kind of thing a little while later, yeah. Where in Adelaide did you live? Where did you go to school? I went to Brighton High School. What happened is my aunt and uncle emigrated to Australia from Wales in like the 60s, I reckon maybe like 65 or something. And then in about like 1971 or 72, they came back to like visit everyone. Had like a house at the beach and stuff. It looked pretty amazing. And the next thing we like, we emigrated to Australia. I was 13. Kind of, you know, I didn't really think it through, I guess at the time. Yeah. Music is definitely, definitely your passion then. When did you realize that music was in your DNA and that music was gonna be your thing? It kind of never really wasn't, if you get what I mean. Like, I just always remember music being there. Um, like, I grew up in the UK in the 60s. I was born in 1960, so, like, I just remember, like, there was always, like, the Beatles happening in the background, and you know what I mean? So how could you sort of not be, really, I guess, if you grow up in that environment, you know? And also my dad was a crazy, like, classical music head. He was always playing, like, always classical music. Him and my brother were sort of vying for the record player. And it switched between the classics to like, you know, the Beatles or the Stones or whatever from my brother's records, you know. Do you have any brothers or sisters that are in the music industry at all? None of my um, other, you know, siblings became musos or anything. They're all, they're all in like sciences and stuff. There you go. So you're the clever one. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> That's a good way of looking at it. <laughs> yeah. The last time I saw you was actually yeah. here in Adelaide not that very long ago when you were inducted into the SA Music Hall of Fame. So firstly, congratulations for that. What a great 
that night that was. That was such a cool night, you know, like I didn't really get nervous or anything at a gig, but because that wasn't really like a gig, it was something different. I didn't really know what to expect and I was not not apprehensive or nervous, but just like unsure what was going to go down. So um, it was really cool and, you know, talking to Greg Clark was really, he's a really easy dude to talk to, a great guy. You know, and Victor put a cool thing together. So, like, I mean, the warmth in the audience, it was really lovely. I'm glad you were there and you experienced it. It was such a such a great vibe in the room, you know. So, yeah, it went really better than I kind of could have. You're inducted with an old friend of yours, Vince Contarino, because I didn't realise that you guys were had been a little while in the Zet Boys together. We go back, back way before the Zeppelin show. We go back to Party Boys. We were in the Party Boys together. Before I came on, I don't even know whether you remember, on the actual evening, uh, they played a, a clip of the, of the Party Boys. This is, I don't even know if this is on YouTube, but it's, it's pretty rare. But it's the Party Boys doing Do Our Diddy, which was, um, who even did the original? I can't even remember. It's a pretty lame song, but yeah, we did, a, we did like a hard rocking version of that. And it's hilarious, just the clip itself is totally hilarious. Vince is in it, I'm in it. Um, Brad Carr, the guitarist, the original Quiet Boys guitarist, who's a really good personal friend of mine, who's one of the most crazy characters and, like, seriously, like, probably one of the best guitarists that Australia's ever, like, produced. The guy's just on fire, you know. Um, Mark Evans is on bass and John Zach was on drums. If you find the video, have a look at it. Try and find it. It's pretty hilarious. I reckon I have found that, and I've got the audio of it, and I think I might play it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Segway away. Still rocking it podcast with that radio chick, Cheryl Lee. Do Our Diddy Diddy was originally recorded in 1963 by American group The Exciters, but of course it was made internationally famous by the British band Manfred Mann. But here's our very own The Party Boys doing their version. Back more with Steve Wynn. Williams from Wawani, straight after this. There she was, just walking down the street singing. At the same time, our wonderful Bridgeway was inducted as well as a venue. So that was, yeah, it was a great night and it sort of like was all, it all came together, didn't it? It was good. It was a really good night. I mean, Bridgeway had so many cool bands over the years. I remember playing firstly there with, I was playing in, um, Alex Tomlin had a band called, what was it called? Um, Jimmy Shelter, I think, that, I think our band was called. And we were supporting a band called Almost Human. Almost Human. Yeah, I remember Almost Human. Bridgeway, yeah. You know, in the 70s, I guess. So I think that was the first time I played there. But since there, I played with like every band ever that you've ever played in and toured pretty much had done the Bridgeway, you know what I mean? So, yeah. That was my local. So we were there, you know, every Thursday, okay. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, we, did, we did it with the Party Boys. Vince and I did it with the Party Boys um, on that, you know, on that tour that we did. Um, Tony Clark's band, they had an all-girl kind of metal band. What were they called? I can't remember. But they were pretty good. They were supporting us or playing with us. I should say. What great memories. Briefly about Wawani, because as I said, I want to get on to a couple of exciting new albums of yours. But you and Paul Gray got together in sort of a little bit of an unconventional way originally. Not really. I mean, how do you think we did it? I thought that you made music together before you'd even, you know, met each other. Oh, that part of it is true. No, that part of it is true. (laughs) Oh, what part of it are you thinking of? That seemed entirely normal to me. I don't know if it is. He he had an ad in the paper. Like, 
I was living in Sydney and I was like really struggling and trying to figure out how, like, how do I get into a rock band? I was in this rock band that was just absolutely killer and we nearly signed to Albert's. Um, in fact, we did some recordings at Albert's that, are, that I have that are really great. The band's called, called Griffin and the singer was this guy called Kevin Danes. He was kind of like Jimmy Barnes with a bit of Freddie Mercury thrown in it. <laughs> you could get it. It was, you could get what I mean. He had that kind of Barnesy-ish sort of screaming sort of thing, but he also had that slightly more, you know, Freddie's flamboyant, flamboyant. You know, Robert Plant has as well. You know, I had as well. You know what I mean? So, yeah, but um, that, that was a killer band. We nearly got signed with that. Unfortunately, Kevin passed away. You know, so one thing led to another. Yeah. So you guys got together, eventually met each other. and Yeah, so he had the ad in the paper, right? And then he, um, you know, I actually called him and we got talking. There's a few different machines, but back then there was this thing called a Tascam Porter Studio 244, which, which was really common, like, Every muso worth their decent thing, whatever. I had one of these little gadgets. It's this sort of thing that you put your cassette in and it allowed you to do like four track recordings, which was at the time was pretty revolutionary because you hadn't really been able to do that probably at home. So we both had the same, coincidentally, the same gadget, right? We both had the Tascam 244, right? So, I mean, if he had the Fostex and I'd had the, the Tascam, which, you know, that was kind of the other machine. We wouldn't have been able to do it, so we were lucky. We used to just send each other cassettes. He, you know, he'd send me a cassette with put guitar on it. The process was pretty slow. Back then, the mail, the actual physical mail, was kind of important. So I don't think it was like, you know how now when you mail something, it takes like, seems to like forever to go like down the street, you know what I mean? You know, it, but it was always, you know, it'd take a few days to get there and then it'd take a few days to get back. So eventually we had um, we had four songs on, on, on a tape and that was like stimulation, I Can Make You Love Me. Sugar Free and Manchild. Now, all, all those songs ended up on the first record and three of them obviously went on to become, you know, hit singles and, and blah, blah, blah. So, um, you know, we, by doing that process, we ended up with those four songs and it was a kind of a, quite a productive little few months that we spent. And, and then eventually we did, he came over to my, I had an apartment in, in Double Bay, which was a really ritzy, I accidentally moved into this posh suburb. <laughs> I just flew to it, you know, I just happened to get this really nice, uh, you know, flat hat. So I was living there, he was living at, um, I think, Neutral Bay or Mossman with his parents still. Because he was quite young, he was only like maybe 24 or something. So you guys were sort of ahead of your time creating I mean, everybody does it now, and you've done it recently, creating music remotely. You guys did it way, way back. We did, I guess. I hadn't really thought about it. We did that for ages, you know, and that's kind of how we got the basis of what became our first Wawani album, which, I mean, we did two albums plus sort of an EP. All of the songs that people kind of know were really on that first album, so that was kind of the important album. The second album was a little bit weaker, I think, we just spent so long on it, it became diluted in the whole process. It's sort of become, you know, it's, it's got a few good moments, but I don't think generally it's as cohesive as the first record. Still rocking it podcast with that radio chick, Cheryl Lee. Without any further ado, I think we should play Stimulation, Wawani's big hit, the debut single from 1986 from their self-titled debut album. And we'll be back to speak to Steve Williams about what he's been up to lately very shortly. Let's talk about the new stuff. You've been busy. You haven't been sitting on your bum, have you? 
<laughs> no, I have been quite busy. Yeah, I mean, look, prior to COVID, I think about like four or five bands that were working quite a lot. So there was a lot of shuffling going on with just gigging and stuff like that, you know, and just making like, you know, money to live and stuff. So, you know, and that was all good. And I play in a couple of cool bands. Like I play in Matt Finish. I'm not sure if you know who Matt Finish are. And we occasionally do quite large sort of shows that are, they're really great fun to play because it's a great band and with great catalogue of material that's just like, you know, they're good pop songs. They're easy to play, so it's not like a real... There are certain gigs that are like sort of a little bit more challenging than others and that they can be like, you know, yeah, it's about to explode kind of thing when you're, when you're <laughs> contemplating what you've got to do. But that finishes not like that. It's a really groovy, easy gig, so you're playing quite large venues for songs that people dig and and they're kind of easy and it's fun you know what i mean so i really i really love playing those songs it's, it's great material yeah are you also still playing with machine head i'm doing machine head we've got a couple of gigs coming up um one's in september and then i think there's the usual one at the end of the year that we usually do i think at the gov or maybe the bridgeway i'm not sure one of the two great to have you back home so at the end of last year you brought out surrey road that's right. I guess halfway through last year. And you yeah. had lots of fancy pants people collaborating with you on that one. I did. Look, I was really lucky. And in fact, there's a guy called Terry Slasser. There was obviously a band called Free in the in the UK. You had that huge hit all right now. They led, you know, rock gods of the highest magnitude, you know. Paul Kossoff, the guitarist after um, Free split up, he formed a new band. They were called Backstreet Porter. They're absolutely incredible. They did a couple of albums that are absolutely superb. Any fan of 70s rock genre should look into Backstreet Crawler because their, their album Second Street, particularly to me, it's, it's like right up there with, you know, all of those really great albums that, you know, kind of everyone had in their record collection. You had to have certain records, you know. Yeah, or we know. can't be friends. It was important. I mean, it, it still is, but and now it's just in a different way, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah. yeah. Paul Kossoff's the band after um, Free, Bachelor Recorder, the, the lead singer was this guy called Terry Slesser. So Terry sings on Surrey Road. He sings the first track, Addiction. I mean, that's a huge, huge honour to yeah. have. So I've got Terry doing that one. He's, he's, he's amazing. I've got um, John Kenny from the Rock Melons, who's an amazing singer. If you remember New Groove, that was such a cool song. New Groove by Rock Melons. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's a killer song. Um, well, he's the guy singing that. So, you know, I've got him. He sings quite a few of my tracks. He's a good mate of mine. I've got uh, a friend of mine, this girl, Nick, Nicola, that sings a couple. She's cool. Vince actually sang a track. Did he? Vince Connerino, yeah. He sings one of the songs on Surrey Road. Um, I've got Tim, Tim Watson, rather, from um, from Taxi Ride. I've got um, Pat Powell from the Melbourne Sky Orchestra. Louise Pearson, who's an Adelaide chick singer, who's amazing. Yes. Um, I've got Marco doing some stuff, so yeah, there's a bunch of people on that first record. Still rocking that podcast with that radio chick, Cheryl Lee. Let's have a listen to one of those songs from last year's album, Surrey Road. Shelter Me was written by Steve and Pat Powell and features the smooth vocals of young up-and-coming Melbourne singer Nick MC. Speak more to Steve and hear a couple of songs from the latest album, after this. Keep the darkness away from me. Shelter me from reality. Can't you see that all I need is your light shining down on me? So I did that. That all went okay. And then, but I've recently now just put out the Deja Vu record, which is literally only just, like, uh, you know, come out. So, yeah, you may have heard some of that. Yes, I have. What I found was, especially with 
the first track. It was a little bit um, not what I expected. I found it to be so relaxing and it got me in such a calm, whether it's that initial instrumental start, but it calmed me down. I loved it. Look, the way I look at it, Cheryl, I reckon that I don't really think about like making a record of trying to make like every song being like a banger kind of thing. But I would say that potentially any of those first three are, are potential singles. So either that one, Stormy, the next one, Deja Vu, is quite sort of catchy. Um, and also Pump, the Pump, which is the one that we did at the gig. That seems to be getting quite a, re- a good response too from people. So, you know, yeah. I think the stuff's quite eclectic. You probably heard that if you've listened to the whole thing yourself. Yes. It's not all the same. You know, the records I make, they're not they're not like over... Um, sure, there's going to be a few tracks in, in a certain thing, right? But then there's also going to be little bits and pieces of stuff got quite a diverse... And what I chases. really loved about it was you know, you've done it sort of like an old vinyl, like side one and side two. Dead right. I've absolutely done it like that. That's, I've done that on both of those records. I did them both with that in mind. So um, that's why the last track on each record also is kind of a little bit, um, you know, particularly like the last one on Deja Vu, that's sort of, sort of about seven minutes long or something. It's got that really long <laughs> intro. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you in Adelaide. So get onto the Googleometer and track down those tickets for Machine Head. There's also one in September before that. Um, I think the one at 20, it's the 25th of September. I reckon that's an outdoor gig somewhere. Still rocking that podcast with that radio chick, Cheryl Lee. Let's have a quick listen to Stormy from the new album. If we wanted to get our hands on either Deja Vu or Surrey Road, best place to get that? Well, at the moment, um, Surrey Road is on iTunes and Spotify and all that stuff, so you can get it on either of those mediums. Or you can if you go to my Bandcamp page. Melbourne is my city, so um, you can buy there, or, or you can just listen to both albums. You can buy each each album. You can buy buy both albums together uh, in in both like physical CD format or just as a digital download, whatever you prefer. So, um, you know, I think it's easier. Everyone prefers like to just instantly download it, but quite a lot of people seem to like CDs too, I think. So they seem to be making a bit, little bit of a comeback, I think. So I think we all miss not, we miss the tangibility of holding a CD or holding a vinyl. We miss that. I, I think what happens is this, right? Before the internet and before we had mass media, right? There was no like gadget. You couldn't go on your TV. Like I don't know. There was. I grew up in the UK where the TV was pretty crap. Right? There was like two. I think there was three channels. Right? Um, you know, one channel like BBC One and then ITV, and then there was BBC Two, which had all kind of weird stuff that made you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so you know, like for instance, what that meant that was like there was no access to kind of any imagery or sound or anything. Like it's hard to even conceive this world existed now. Right? So when you bought a, a record, especially an album, like you had that big 12-inch kind of record cover with all the artwork and that it was kind of almost like like the entry into that into that world, if you get, you get what I'm saying, whereas now it's all done through digital media and, and videos and stuff. You think, you know, it was just the records. So, so consequently, they had a real, they had a kind of a value and a quality. Say an ice cream's like 50 bucks, right? And you buy it and it's, wow, that's amazing, right? But, 
say the ice cream's free and they're giving away as much ice cream as you can eat you know, all this free ice cream and then they offer you another free ice cream. It's kind of like, oh man, I'm sick of the free ice cream. You know, it's kind of like this. That's how music's become a little bit. So that mm-hmm. it, it's become oversaturated. And because you can get so much stuff for free, it's just the way it is now. Um, it's sort of devalued it, I guess, particularly from kids' point of view. I mean, it doesn't, I think for people from my, from my generation, um, it's different. It holds a different sort of place in your, in your, in your values and system. The kids now, like, music's just so instantly accessible in, you know, everywhere. And, and in a way, that's great, too, because what's more important at the end of the day, you know, so... Both have got their pros and cons, but, you know, when you buy a digital album, I do miss not, you know, with the little booklet and hopefully does this album come with lyrics and reading all the lyrics and then... Well, you know, the, well, the most recent thing I was just looking at the other day and I hadn't even thought about this, like, but apparently every time you stream a song, which we all do all the time, like, I mean, I've got all my albums I like, but I've even bought, I still stream them because it's just easier, right? So yeah. apparently every time you do that, like, the stream a song uses, like, a huge amount of electricity in terms of like streaming it from wherever they're streaming it from, like the cloud or, or, or ah. all this stuff happening, I know, which you didn't even think about, right? So apparently like putting on a CD or a record player is from an, from the uh, environmental sort of point of view. In terms of like emissions productions, it's way less. It's quite an interesting topic. Yeah. When you're actually streaming, it's a completely different system. Like everybody's actually physically downloading simultaneously that same thing you know yes. So, yeah. yes i never thought of it like that yeah yeah, it's an yeah. i was just reading about it on twitter thank you so much for joining me in the zoom room today steve it's been wonderful having a chin wag with you and again congratulations on the induction into the sa music hall of fame and all the best with the new album deja vu and i think we might go out with the title track Fantastic. Thank you so much for your support, Cheryl. I really appreciate it. Oh, that's a pleasure. And I look forward to seeing you next time you're in our beautiful city. Absolutely. Take care. See you soon. You too. Ta-da, Steve. Bye. You're with Cheryl Lee, that radio chick. Thank you so much for joining me on the Still Rocking It podcast. Hope to catch you again next time. Get out when you can, support Aussie music, and I'll see you down the front.